The United Kingdom has experienced its fair share of political turmoil and upheaval in recent months and years, which has led to the resignation and departure of former Prime Minister Boris Johnson. In his place, Liz Truss of the Conservative Party has been elected to serve in his stead. The new Prime Minister faces no shortage of dilemmas as she ascends to the position, and having to confront soaring energy prices, current labor unrest, and try to confront a health care system in the NHS that is burdened by long waiting lists and staff shortages. Which brings us to the question today of how this will all play out. From Seton Hall University, this is The Global Current. I'm your host, Drew Starbuck. With me today are two fellow Seton Hall students to cover the questions we will be covering. Covering the domestic situation in the UK today is Juliana Mori. Hi, Juliana. Hi, Drew. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. And focusing on the international aspect today is Christopher Benitez Cortez. Hi, Christopher. Hello, Drew. Good to have you on. All right, let's get started, guys. I want to cover the background of the situation and also examine the United Kingdom's kind of political government and system at the moment. So how is the prime minister in the UK actually elected? The prime minister is elected by other members of parliament from the largest party, which has been the conservative party for the past 12 years. And the MPs vote for the best fit leader for the country, not based on their campaign, really. Yeah, so it's less of an act of popular, of the popular vote. It's just the party that has the most seats gets to decide, and the politicians of that party gets to decide who is the next prime minister. Yes. Okay, so that's a little bit different style of governance than what you would see in the United States or other democracies. Mm -hmm. uh, what role does the monarchy play in political governance, if they have any? So how it's set up is that the prime minister shares power with the monarchy, but the prime minister has total political control over the United Kingdom. The monarchy is more of a figurehead and advisor to the prime minister, and they have no ability to interfere with foreign affairs, but the monarchy is the figurehead that acts. You mentioned the monarchy as an advisor. Do they meet with the prime minister? On a weekly basis, the prime minister meets with the monarchy, now the king, and they talk about recent developments based on the Anglican Church and political affairs. Chris, do you have anything to comment on like the current election of the Prime Minister or how we got into this position that we are in the moment in the UK? Well, Drew, the current Prime Minister has come about after a honestly very turbulent period of power for Boris Johnson. He has been embroiled in a number of scandals. Perhaps the biggest one of them is the Partygate scandal in which, in full lockdown, the Prime Minister hosted and attended parties at 10 Downing Street far beyond the limit uh, put by the government for a quarantine. He is being investigated by the House of Commons Committee on whether he is being transparent on these investigations or not. Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Johnson still claims that he has followed all the rules and also he has just been presiding over a government that has not helped the domestic situation in the UK. Inflation has risen to 9.1%, partly due to the overall European situation following the Russia-Ukraine war. And he is also just not conceived as a very apt politician by a wide majority of the British public in June. A former 
minister of his, Jeremy Hunt, a member of parliament for the Conservative Party, accused him of lacking integrity, competence, and vision in a tweet. And just seeing that dissent among party ranks has not helped the Johnson administration one bit. So many conservatives in the UK have called for a leadership election and thus giving the country a new leader. As in, so you think the internal struggles actively led to his resignation and, of course, Liz Truss ascending into office? Absolutely. Okay. And so do you f- believe that these recent scandals will affect uh, Liz Truss? At, was she a member of his government at all at any point in time, or was she just a member of the House of Commons or their parliament? Well, Liz Truss is a very confusing political figure, but she was Boris Johnson's Secretary of Foreign Affairs uh, since 2021. And she has been pretty active in the grand scheme of things, although she is largely considered to be part of Boris Johnson's loyalist line, part of a very populist right wing faction of the Conservative Party. Although, interestingly enough, adding to the confusion, she was not always part of this. She was actually a member of the Liberal Democrat Party growing up. She grew up in a very left-wing academic family. And in Oxford, she controversially was a Republican. Now, by Republican, we are not talking about the Conservative Party of the United States. We are talking about a person in the, in the British Commonwealth that advocates for the removal of the monarchy. So, in essence, wanting a British republic. Uh, these it, it is fair to say that her views have shifted dramatically ever since. She joined the Conservative Party in 1996, was elected as a Tory to Parliament in 2010, and today we can say that she is a consistent Thatcherite, a consistent member of the right-wing populist branch of the party that Boris Johnson has led up until now. So a lot of people are considering that she may be an extension of Johnson, though many others will also concede that these scandals are not helping her at all either. And to add on that, she has been very controversial for her points of views because of her duality, especially when it comes to Boris Johnson. She originally stated in 2016 that she was a Remainer, which is a term to define those who wanted to stay in the EU against Brexit. But then she later backtracked and praised former Prime Minister Johnson for leaving the EU. And she originally supported British people to fight in Ukraine, not anymore, which was a similar point of view to Johnson's. And her duality makes her seem unfavorable to many people, which was one of the points that made people not want to elect her as the Prime Minister. So would it be fair to ask the both of you of that she has had a varied political background and may be accused by some pundits and people to be a little bit flip-floppity on certain issues. But right now it seems she's very much in the mold of the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson, this more populist, conservative Thatcherite. Would that be correct? Yes, she has been considered a conservative since 1998 and has stayed relatively consistent with some of those points of views. I want to turn away from the personal background of the new prime minister into looking at what her force and policy will be. As the foreign analyst, Christopher, what do you think her policies are with regards to Northern Ireland? Because we mentioned earlier Brexit in the UK, and that is a contentious issue that many in the world, especially in the United States, are concerned about. So Truss proposes 
creating legislation that would essentially solidify Brexit into British law. Her current proposal includes keeping product standards in Northern Ireland identical to the ones in Britain, thus encouraging more Britain-Northern Ireland trade and less Northern Ireland-Republic of Ireland trade, which is also Northern Ireland-EU trade. This legislation would essentially, to quote her side of the political aisle, would prevent a border forming along the Irish Sea. However, this has not been very well received in many parts of the world. In Ireland, it certainly hasn't among the Irish left, among the Northern Irish left, as it would create more possibilities of a strong border in Ireland, which is something that was struck down with the 1998 Good Friday Agreement. In America, this is not not going over well either. This may be a future point of friction between the new trust administration and the Biden administration in Washington. Although, of course, it has had its its fair share of celebrations, particularly among unionist members of the Nor- Northern Irish Assembly and the parliament at Westminster. So we can firmly say that her pro-Brexit views that she has espoused recently are very clearly showing, and she is very actively trying to separate the UK from the EU at its most contentious point, which today is Northern Ireland. There's also been coverage in the news, Christopher, of like her hardline stances carry over from her time as foreign secretary on China, particularly the CCP. Do you have anything more to elaborate on that? Absolutely. So the Chinese Communist government um, has been known to make particular inroads with Boris Johnson. Johnson once called himself a xenophile. So that was a major point of embarrassment for many on the British right. And Theresa May has really been stepping up to what the majority in her party are advocating for. So Truss is really expected to take a hard stance on China over its over the autonomy of Hong Kong, as well as the Uyghur situation in Xinjiang. This is, a, this is a break from what has been seen as 12 years of Tory open arm policy towards China, particularly in major investments in real estate, in other important industries. But trust is seen as a breaking point in that, and she is she's largely responsible for the anti-China actions the British government has taken in the past, in the recent past, among them the extension of the BNO visa program for Hong Kongers and a deal regarding submarines done with the US and Australia. She has received tons of praise from the Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen, who has supported trust in her commitment to defend Taiwan in case of a Chinese invasion. And this is generally angering many officials in Beijing. The Global Times has lambasted her in recent days, and we can expect more of this British-Chinese friction to grow. I see. So there's, she seems to be more of a hardline model on the Chinese government, and, and which is a growing sentiment amongst uh, right-leaning parties in the West. Is there any other big foreign policy ideas that she has that are controversial or important with regards to parts of the rest of the world? Oh, absolutely. So first and foremost, I will mention that the stance of the Johnson administration on Russia over the current war in Ukraine will remain. 
trust was very much at the forefront of that. But there is one story that is really not making as much of headlines overseas as it is in the UK, and that is the Rwanda resettlement plan hashed out by Home Secretary Priti Patel in the last months. She Liz Truss very much favors this deal, and what it encompasses is basically that the UK will start deporting illegal migrants from its shores to Rwanda to then either sent back to their home country or just settled there. Um, Of course, this move has been very controversial in the UK, in Rwanda, in everywhere. Um, Protested by many in the Rwandan opposition over the fact that the African country is just not able to accommodate that many people. And protested in the UK and in Europe over Rwanda's human rights record under President Paul Kagame. The European Court of Justice and the UN High Commission for Refugees have both criticized the deal. And the, the former actually issued a ruling, a binding ruling, that stopped the first deportation flights from happening in August. So definitely has some uh, uh, more polarized positions in her foreign policy that have caught some favor with the British public, but are also unpopular in certain respects with the British public as well. I want to turn back to, to you, Juliana, to look at more her government and economic outlook as the new prime minister sends into office, starting with her cabinet, which she has praised as the most diverse cabinet in the United Kingdom's history. Yeah, so her cabinet is known as being the most diverse. None of the top positions are being held by white men at all. But at the same time, it's the most privately educated cabinet ever, which adds to her duality in the sense that she has supported the public school system in the United Kingdom, but she hasn't elected many officials who are a part of the public education system. Is there looking towards the economic outlook? She mentioned a favor towards uh, continuing the model of Boris Johnson and the more populist conservative party. What does that economic model look like? So the conservative party within the United Kingdom has been popular for advocating for a Reaganomics uh, economy, referring to the economic policies instituted by former President Ronald Reagan. Uh, which the main goals of Reaganomics are cutting taxes, deregulation, cutting domestic social spending, and reducing inflation, which plays to her Thatcherite points of view. Mm -hmm. So kind of a common Anglo-American style of deregulation, tax cuts, trying to reduce inflation, but also cut domestic social spending. Yes. Okay. How does that play into the current uh, energy crisis that the UK is experiencing with energy prices rising as a result of the Russo-Ukrainian war and the Russian invasion? Yeah, so the crisis that has been caused is because of the increase of price of oil because of the war and how reliant British households are on fossil fuels for heating their homes, especially during the fall and winter months. And it is expected that she will roll out the largest economic intervention in decades, if not in history. And she has vowed for tax cuts and no energy rationing for uh, the upcoming cold season. So it will be interesting to see if she is able to introduce an emergency budget to reverse the NI tax and the 
stop corporation tax mm -hmm. to prevent a economic crisis. Yeah. Is she looking to freeze or put a cap and like freeze energy prices at the moment? Like keep them at the same distance that they are right now? She is going to try and cut other taxes in order to freeze the energy prices, but she hasn't mm -hmm. effectively introduced anything that would do that. Um, looking towards more a public health outlook, um, uh, we mentioned earlier the staff shortages and long waiting lines for the NHS in the UK and the COVID-19 response. What is her policies that she's looking to do towards that angle of governance? So Trust hasn't exclusively said anything pertaining to her COVID-19 response, but it can be uh, assumed that she will stay with the Conservative Party's points of views, and it's outlined that she will add jobs and increase the amount of nurses and general practitioners within the healthcare system and promoting vaccinations for younger children. And for NHS, she elected her health secretary, Therese Coffey, who has been given such a tough job because of the ambulance delays and the shortage of healthcare workers. So it will be interesting to see if she can solve any of this crisis that has occurred, but it can be expected that she will address it soon, if not within the next week or so. Okay, so now that we've taken both a look at her foreign policy, her government's look, her economic outlook. I want to turn towards the reaction to uh, the new prime minister uh, amongst the British public. So I want to address this question to both of you of what is the current popularity of Prime Minister Trust with the British public and how does the role of only the Conservative Party electing her as prime minister played into that? So the general rule of thumb for British voters right now is that they don't believe that Truss will be a good or great prime minister. In a poll done by yougov.uk, 52% of British voters believe that she'll be poor or terrible when only 12% think she'll be good. They don't trust her with top political issues pertaining to England, and she has suffered severe drops in ratings even before she was elected as prime minister or offered as a ca candidate for prime minister. Addressing a, a follow-up to that to you both, does, do you think her being accused of being another replica of Boris Johnson, is that reputation contributing to this current unpopularity? Yeah, so Boris Johnson wasn't seen super favorably within the general populace of the United Kingdom. I want to talk about the precariousness of her political position as well, because we mentioned, you know, the Conservative Party is the one that elected they only got to do so because they were the largest party in parliament. And you mentioned, Juliana, earlier that the Conservative Party has been in power for 12 years or so at the moment. Is there any chance that the Conservative Party and Liz Trust lose support in parliament? I believe that they have lost trust already. And the Labour Party leader, which is the, uh, the second most populated party within parliament, uh, the leader has said she's out of touch with her points of views. And he offered his token of congratulations, but he opened hostilities immediately, attacking her plans to drop taxes. So, and that is becoming more popular amongst the British people, finding the Conservative Party out of touch with most of their public policies and foreign policies. 
Do you have anything to add on to that, Chris? Well, that's the outlook at home. Abroad, she is equally unpopular, particularly with the new enemies she's declared. In China, the Global Times have lambasted her as undemocratic. Same thing in Russia. Uh, the Russian press particularly has made a big deal out of the fact that Truss was elected by a whoppingly small percentage of the British population. So we can expect abroad things are not going to look as well. Also due to recent activity over the Brexit process, we can't expect much of an ally from Washington. See, Trump and Boris Johnson were ideological allies after all. And the Biden administration, once it, once it came into effect, um, really didn't change much out of Biden's moderation. But now, with trust heating things up in Northern Ireland, we can really expect to start to see some friction similar to what was seen in the 1960s and 1970s with Prime Minister Harold McMillan and President Johnson, President Lyndon B. Johnson. I see. I also want to take a look at another issue uh, before we get to the end here that intersects both domestic and foreign policy of like uh, environmental reasons or her positions on climate change. Do you have anything to add either Juliana or Chris on the current environmental positions of the new prime minister? She has been quoted as to saying that she doesn't believe in renewable energy policies and she wants to ramp up fossil fuel investments and her energy secretary that she appointed has unpopular opinions when it comes to climate change and global warming, claiming that it's a lost cause to prevent such a uh, human-caused problem. And she might have some tension when it comes to the monarchy, when it comes to the environment. King Charles has been on record for, for being very environmentally friendly and a fierce advocate the environment by writing essays about pollution and other environmental problems. So there may be some possible friction in that with the monarchy and the prime minister, especially since they're supposed to meet every week, as you said earlier. I want to get into some final thoughts before we close the episode off, guys. Um, first of all, do you both believe that Liz, Liz Truss will be able to gain initial political success in her term as prime minister? Yes or no? And if you could explain your rationing, why? No, I believe that her points of views are very dated and archaic when it comes to foreign policy and public policy. And with the national health crisis going on in England and the schooling system being in a major crisis right now, I would be surprised if she would succeed as prime minister. Do you have anything to respond to that, Chris? I would say that Truss is destined to succeed and not in the way that one would expect. And I'm speaking from a foreign policy point of view here. Sure, the Trusk ministry could be sparring with Brussels over Northern Ireland and whatnot. But at the end of the day, Britain is part of the Western world that is standing up to Russia and China in that in the current events, so neither Brussels or Washington would want to discard the trust government as a possible ally. If, if anything, we could see, and God willing, things do not get worse, we could see something similar to what happened with Winston Churchill. Uh, Winston Churchill 
was lionized abroad, as they said. He, he was loved among among everyone. But domestically, he was not as popular because labor was running the show during World War II. So we could see perhaps a success in foreign policy, but domestically hated. I see. Well, this has been a great discussion, guys. Juliana, Christopher, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Joining me now to round out some of the headlines this week is our news briefer, Jacqueline Perez. Hey, Jacqueline. Hey, Drew. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. So what headlines do you have for us this week? All right, so my first headline is Republican governors are sending migrants to Democrat-run cities. Second, Putin warns Ukraine that the war can get more serious. And lastly, Mexico arrests Army General linked to disappearance of 43 students. Some very important topics to cover today then. Let's start with the updates on the transporting of immigrants in the United States. Okay, so BBC reports that Republican states such as Texas have taken initiatives to move migrants to other states led by Democrats. They aim to add pressure to the Biden administration into reducing the number of immigrants crossing the southern border. As of now, it is unclear whether this is illegal or not, as state officials claim migrants are moving willingly. A definite situation of both political and legal gamesmanship that has affected many immigrants and caught the attention of the nation. You also mentioned new developments over Ukraine? Yes. So Reuters reports that after a summit in Samarkand, Uzbekistan, Putin states Russia has made progress in invading Ukraine. As of now, they have taken about a fifth of Ukraine. Putin said their response is currently a warning and attacks might get worse if the situation develops further. An important development to be aware of in these dangerous times. And you also mentioned an ongoing story in Mexico? Yes, so New York Times wrote an article that General Jose Rodriguez Perez was arrested for alleged involvement of the disappearance of 43 students in 2014 in Naniok He is part of the recent profile arrest for covering up the massacre. This is a big break after the previous president shifted blame to municipal authorities working with drug gangs. Thank you very much for coming on, Jacqueline. No problem. Thank you for having me. And that is all the time we have for today. Be sure to follow The Global Current on Instagram and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming shows. This show would not have been possible without our dedicated crew. Executive producer, Jasmine DeLeon. Associate producers, Eric Bunce and Hamza Khan. Technical producers, Andrew Rakulia and Bobby Kyle. And of course, your host, Drew Starbuck. The Global Current is brought to you by Seton Hall University. As always, keep it current with us and catch us on the waves every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on 89.5 FM WSOU. Until next time, thank you.